Welcome to the Superman Confidential Podcast, where we talk all things about Clark Kent, the Man of Steel. I know I said today I was going to be talking about movie stuff and all that, but by now you probably heard the news about Krypton being canceled, so I wanted to dive into season two and what the future of the show could be if it still exists and uh, talk about why it was canceled and all of that since the show is done. So Sci-Fi has canceled Krypton following season two. Kind of a bummer, obviously. Season finale is on Wednesday, and there's some cliffhangers and some exciting things for the future. And then you find out on a Friday that the show has been canceled. I got to say, I'm not really, this news didn't shock me by any stretch of the imagination. I think when you're on a show like sci-fi, I don't watch a ton of sci-fi stuff, but just from what I've heard, it's kind of year to year with sci-fi. If you're expecting a show to last 10 seasons by being on sci-fi, that's very unlikely. So I wasn't shocked or anything, obviously disappointed because I very much like Krypton and want to see where it's going and was very much enjoying season two. Uh, The ratings had dropped in season two. How much of that is normal drop from going into a second season of a show versus the move to summer? I liked that Krypton was in the summer because that allowed it to get more of a spotlight because there's not as many comic book shows on, whereas in the fall and the spring, there's a ton of comic book shows on. But got to acknowledge that there's not as many people watching TV in the summer, especially probably not at 10 o'clock on Wednesdays. So how much is that impacting the ratings? I don't know. It's important to keep in mind, like, we want sci-fi, you know, if you want to blame sci-fi or anything, it's tough to blame them. Uh, Sci-fi only has the the rights to obviously when the show is live on sci-fi or re-airing on sci-fi or the last five episodes. So there's this all this going on now with streaming becoming a thing. Watching it live is less important and for sci-fi to not own Krypton, it's a it's a WB property, it's tough for them to benefit. For instance, I I I don't have sci-fi. I don't watch sci-fi. I don't get sci-fi. I have a digital season pass to season two of Krypton. That's how I watch it. Season one, I have the Blu-ray, I have the digital, or I can watch it on DC Universe. None of those things help sci-fi at all. They're good for WB and good for the show in general, but they don't help sci-fi in any way. So that I don't count towards the ratings, even though I watch it every week, sometimes multiple times. So I, I like to be angry at sci-fi, but it's tough to really blame them. The good news is Warner Horizon Scripted Television, that is the producer of the show, is shopping the show according to a deadline article. Now it's kind of unclear if they're talking about Krypton, Lobo, or both, but they mentioned how DC Universe and HBO Max could be options. So I don't know that I would consider this likely, but I would also say the show's not 100% dead yet. There's a chance sometimes these things take a while. It could be a couple weeks or so to negotiate everything if a new service, a streaming service, were to pick up Krypton. Again, I wouldn't, I'd say it's less than 50% chance. Not a lot of shows that get canceled, especially after two seasons, get to continue on elsewhere. But with the way things are today, with DC Universe existing, HBO Max coming out, maybe Krypton is something that would interest them in having a fan base. Uh, it's not the biggest fan base, but I think there are some loyal fans who would, who would want to see this show continue. So I'm still hoping that happens, but I'm not necessarily expecting that. Uh, and I don't want to talk about the end of Krypton just yet, talk about the overall ending of it. 
if it is indeed the end, I'm not ready to to do that yet, but I certainly have to acknowledge it. That's a possibility. It also came out that season two will be on DC Universe in 2020, so it'll join season one there in terms of the streaming rights, but uh, this could be it. And if we could just have two seasons, 20 episodes total, and I got to say they're very enjoyable and a lot of good stuff in there, and I'll get to more of my thoughts on season two in particular in a little bit. The spinoff for Lobo is also not going to be moving forward with sci-fi. Showrunner Cam Welsh on Twitter did confirm that the show is still in development, just not with sci-fi. So whether it be DC Universe, HBO Max, some other network, some other streaming option, I don't know. Again, how likely is that to be picked up? Not sure. A spinoff for a show that was canceled after two seasons. This character was introduced in a small role in season two. I don't know how likely that is, but I don't think it's impossible. Uh, I wonder if Lobo were to be picked up, if it could wrap up some of the storylines for Krypton that are left hanging. Uh, I wouldn't expect Lobo to be just Lobo season one to be Krypton season three, but maybe there could be an arc where part of that story is wrapped up and given some closure, given that it would be the same creative team and a character spinning off of Krypton. Let me look back now on season two, and I'll give you some non-spoiler thoughts. I guess if you have been on the fence, not sure if you want to watch it or anything like that, to which I would say watch it. Um, obviously do if, if it doesn't interest you then don't but man i think this was a really strong season probably better than season one i would say better than season one season one starts i thought it was a strong start to season one but i will say it definitely got better as it progressed and the last half of the season was stronger than the first half and it just kind of continues that momentum and doesn't slow down at all in season two i was interested in this show when i first heard about it thinking it's just going to be Superman's grandpa, day-to-day life on Krypton many years ago. And if that's what the show was, I would probably would have enjoyed it. But this is so much more than that, so much more than that with the time travel aspects, with Superman villains being brought in and being just day-to-day characters, series regulars on the show is cool to see. So season two, visually, it seems much more ambitious. The show on the whole seems very ambitious in It is visually very good looking, and they did a lot to add variety to the show, where season one was heavily set on sets, indoors, night scenes. There's a lot more visual variety in season two. We went to different planets, went to different locations on Krypton, and had more daylight scenes, had more lots to look at. And it's it's a darker show visually, but it had good use of color and... Obviously, there's got to be a lot of CG in addition to the practical sets they built, but it all looks really good. I don't have any complaints with that. There's also seemed to be more action in Season 2, at least more that I remember, more whatever their laser guns are, more fights, more hand-to-hand fighting, that kind of stuff. Uh, it seemed to be more more of that going on. Again, a little bit more ambition. And just really great villains throughout Zod, Doomsday, and Brainiac are three very important characters, and they are handled really well. Again, continue. Character work is also very strong. This is some of the best character work I've seen in TV in recent years. I said that about season one. In season two, I agree. Maybe there's one exception where I have a problem, but besides that, the characters never change or are compromised by a story. They're, part of that is the benefit of being 10 episodes, where if you have the 20 plus episode network seasons it's sometimes characters just do things because quite frankly that's what the plot needs them to do to move forward 
other than one minor complaint. I don't think that's the case here, and it continues to be very strong, building a lot of really likable characters. Again, not any real weak spots on this show. There's never a character that comes on. I'm like, oh, gosh, we got to deal with this guy now, or what is she doing here? Like taking up all this screen time. There's none of that really in Krypton. All all the characters are well-developed, well-acted, well-written, well-directed. All of that does a lot to work. And season two also seems a little more lighter in tone. While there's still some dark stuff, lots of dark stuff, they have a little bit more fun with it. It, It's moving the show more into a comic booky type way where, yeah, there's time travel and all sorts of science fiction stuff in season one. But there's more more of that going on, I'll just say. Uh, more, mo- Moving more into the comic book type stuff or introducing more elements of that. And one other thing is cool relationship pairings along with the character work. It is, it's just fun to see different characters interact and how they mix and match because those characters are so well done seeing uh, Nissa and Val-El, what are they like together? Surprisingly is really cool and well, well done again. So overall season two of Krypton definitely gets a recommend from me. If you're someone who didn't get into this show or watched maybe a couple episodes and didn't hook you in, I would recommend trying a little bit more and seeing it. you like it because season two and the end of season one have very strong reviews. Uh, it seems like very popular. Uh, the people who do watch it, you know, not enough people to are watching it, but the people who do watch it really like it and a really lot of great stuff from the Superman mythology and his family and all of that stuff. I think it's really well done. So that's all I have about season two of Krypton, but I will get into some spoilers now for it. So if you haven't seen season two or are worried about spoilers, you to listen. But jumping right in to season two, we've got Zod leading Krypton. Just, it's exactly what you want. He is in control of things instantly. Well, there's a time jump, a six-month time jump, but he quickly rises to power by being charismatic, leading some of the... I've got a list here of some really cool things uh, that just stood out to me in season two, so I won't be mentioning everything, but I will go into some detail. Uh, Inside the Phantom Zone, seeing that live-action look at the Phantom Zone, we haven't seen that in, in this way before. We've seen the Phantom Zone in different ways, but this was very much like a Phantom zone where they are phantom sego and brainiac are in there and we don't get to see a lot of it but seg and brainiac get to see different events throughout time and space and knowing that brainiac did that and knows who knows what what he gathered from that is very scary uh if the show does go forward what could brainiac do with that information baby corvex was was glad to see introduced early and not surprisingly we find out that it does become Jor-El. The character does get renamed Jor-El. This is awesome. This is maybe the highlight of season two for me. The birth and early, early origin of Jor-El. I love the way the show handled it. It's not surprising. It wasn't a surprising twist. I think a lot of people were predicting Corvex would be actually Jor-El renamed somehow. And I'm so glad the show didn't say, well, people are predicting this. Let's make a twist just to make a twist. No, they did. What they wanted to do, they made Corvex Jor-El, and it's handled so well. Uh, the scene where he's given his name was probably my favorite scene. Just seeing, you know, the way they treated so much respect with Superman's dad was really cool. And 
I'm excited for that. And it's cool that now looking back on Krypton, Jor-El was there from literally the very first episode. One of the very first few scenes is when Nyssa and Sag do their bonding. They go to the whatever chamber it's called. I forget now. The birthing chamber. And they see what Corvex will be like, what he will be. And so in that way, Jor-El was kind of with the show from the pilot on. And I think that's really cool. We're also introduced to the Wegthor moon. And... Jaxer is back and tied it heavily into the Wagthor moon. And that was cool. Again, that was another way to show a different location. Things look different on Wagthor. You really see the red sun. It looks red and it's visually cool to look at. Zod is, did all of his somatic reconditioning. Uh, so he's serious. You will either listen to Zod or you get brainwashed basically into thinking and doing what he wants. Kolu is another planet that we went to seeing seeing what Brainiac's homeworld was like and well, we don't get to see much of it, but we do get to see some woods there. And it's just nice to have a little bit of different visual visuals thrown in in the death of Brainiac, who then, of course, takes over inside Segel's body. I thought Lobo was handled really well. I was a little worried after episode two, which was the Lobo-heavy episode, that Krypton would just become a Lobo show and he would kind of overtake it, just be a demanding presence. But I think the way they handled and balanced Lobo throughout the, the rest of the season was well done. He never became the most important character, but he showed up a couple times when it was necessary and when it made sense. I also weirdly like the space elevator, the fact that it's called the space elevator. I kind of like when Krypton is very literal with their naming uh, the world engine in Man of Steel. I know other times when, when Krypton has just been very literal in in how they name things. Uh, the Last Days of Krypton, the novel by Kevin J. Anderson, was one thing that, that it stands out to me, and that was they, there was a disease on Krypton called the Forgetting Disease. They don't have a fancy name for it or anything like that. The name it tells you exactly what it was, so I, I don't know. That, that made me think it was cool that they named it Space Elevator. Doomsday is awesome. Very well done in this show, and then he is finally unleashed on Wagthor. Zod gets control of him with the Black Mercy, and the way he's able to get Doomsday to kneel before Zod is both terrifying, exciting, when Doomsday just goes off on Wagdor. That's that's when it got really dark in episode nine there, Blood Moon. And it was bloody because Doomsday was doing what Doomsday does. Speaking of Black Mercy, that's part of the big piece of Superman mythology that was brought in to season two. They did touch on the legend of Flamebird and Valk, Valk, uh from Jaina's story early in the season. Apparently, I don't know if they didn't want to mention Nightwing. Normally, it's Flamebird and Nightwing. I don't know if because Titans is going to do Nightwing eventually, most likely, if they weren't allowed to call talk about the legend of Nightwing. But that's something I hope they would have touched on more in the future if the show does come back. But there was such good character arcs for everyone. Kem, seeing Kem develop into a military leader. Adam learned that he can no longer go back and change time every time he makes a little mistake. Seeing some growth from him was really cool. Lyda had a good arc where it was misleading early in the season, and we thought she was acting out of character, but she in fact was a clone and had been brainwashed, so can't really blame her there. Nyssa got a lot of really cool stuff to do where she was a bit of a double agent early in the year, and then she got to fight for the resistance, got a really cool action scene. And her arc with Corvex, which became Jor-El, was, again, very much a highlight of the season. And if I do have... One complaint about the character work there, it seems like once Seg found out about Jor-El, and once Brainiac took Jor-El, Seg didn't seem too concerned about it. He was, already, he was obviously a little broken up, and 
bothered by it. And he comes back around, and at the end of season two, he wants to go find Jor-El. But he also just kind of didn't worry about it. And Nyssa is the one who went and is like, no, I need to find my son and get after it. And I would have liked to have seen Seg show a little bit more interest in that. But in fairness, there was a war going on, and he, he wanted to stop that and then go do, then go get Jor-El. The Black Mercy on the show, really cool, really gross. Lyta got her own version of For the Man Who Has Everything, the classic Alan Moore story, Superman story. And we see her ideal life and see her fighting that, which took us to Kryptonopolis, shows us some different things there, uh, at least Lyta's imagination of what Kryptonopolis is like. So that was a, a cool thing to see, a fun episode as well. The Origin of Doomsday which is similar to the one from the comic book origin of Superman Doomsday Hunter Prey, certainly closer than any other live-action versions we've seen of Doomsday's origin. Overall, I really like that. I'm not sure how I feel about Doomsday being a having this love story and being almost a tragic character. You almost feel bad for him, you know, thinking of the day when Superman and him, Superman and Doomsday fight. You almost feel bad for him, but then Doomsday does something like punch a hole through Kem and rip his head off and then you lose any any real feelings, any real good feelings you have for Doomsday. Uh, and that all leads to a final battle where Zod is defeated and given a taste of his own medicine, his own Black Mercy. Really satisfying conclusion to Season 2 while also setting up a bunch of stuff for Season 3. Brainiac taking jor out to Earth. Kim Welsh teased a bunch of this stuff on Twitter so I'll, I'll mention it there. But he set out a little story pitch for what would probably be the beginning of the first episode of season three set in 2020 russia there's a young very young jor-el with brainiac who he calls dad and he seems violent it seems like there's a bit of a jor-el bit of a red sun influence there camel shed by defeating sod earth was earth was saved but what but that just opened up this new future where jor-el was living the upside down superman origin story in russia rather than Kansas, and with Brainiac instead of Mon Pac Kent raising him. So how would that even work? Brainiac from the past going to the present? How would, I don't know how they would do all that with the aging and everything there, but Jor-El in present-day Russia? Uh, yeah, they're, they're really playing around with the timeline there. And that's one thing, you know, there's so much left unresolved. Superman still does not exist in Krypton. I assume that they would be getting to that eventually. Zod is taken care of for now. I like that they wrapped that up while still allowing a way for Zod to return in the future. It, Welsh also said that Nyssa was, in fact, on a Thanagarian-occupied Ran, so that's where she was, and it looks like there's some influence on the Ran-Thanagar War, which is a comic book storyline, I think 2005-2006. The Omega Men would be involved there. You saw the Omega symbol. The Omega Men have been teased by Welsh since, really, the show started in it seems like that was finally going to happen in season three. How much all of that would fit in, Ram Thanagar War, Omega Men, how that would fit into a show set on mostly and about Krypton, I don't know, but there's some cool DC Universe things that could be done. I'm most excited for the Jor-El stuff, and also the Eradicator was going to be introduced in season three. That's something I would really like to see. How would that? How would they deal with that mythology and fit in? the Eradicator, onto a show set on Krypton. Again, something I think could be really cool, and I would hope to see if this show does get picked up. But if this is the end of Krypton, I will look back on it fondly for a couple excellent seasons of great characters, 
great mythology and some real passion for Superman that is shown from David Goyer and Cam Welsh, the cast and the crew and everything in between. What I like so much about Krypton, and not to, I don't want to bash Supergirl, I'm just using this as an example. Supergirl and Krypton are very similar shows in that they're about Superman's family and they're shows that would not exist without Superman, obviously. And so what Krypton does so well is respects that, acknowledges that, respects that, and tries to add something cool and new to the mythology without taking anything away. And this isn't a criticism of Supergirl, the quality of the show. It's just pointing out that what Supergirl does, just as an example, they kind of take things from Superman mythology and take them as their own. Whereas what Krypton does is explore things that haven't been explored. Yes, there are characters that are Superman characters and they exist through the lens of Superman in the show. But what they do is they it's adding to that mythology. So in a comic book down the line or something like that, when Superman might mention his grandpa or his grandma, I will think of Segel and Nissa Vex, at least in some small capacity. Or if Jor-El, the hologram of Jor-El mentions to Kal-El about how they come from a family of scientists, I'll think of val and things like that. And I think what Krypton has done so well is just that, be really entertaining science fiction television and show a ton of respect for the Superman mythology and add those cool things, uh, filled in some gaps that haven't been fully explored on the show. If this is the end, I hope we see more of like Camwell sharing about what the future could have been. I, I wonder what this show would have been like with the initial seven or eight plan that they talked about, seven or eight year plan they talked about before the show even started. I don't know what that would be. Would it be seven or eight years, seven to eight years of Segel doing things? People always said that Krypton might end with it exploding and kal getting sent off. Was that still the plan? I wonder if that, was that ever the plan? Because if that was, you could work your way backwards and see maybe there were some time jumps involved and the last couple of seasons might focus more on Jor-El and Lara and Segel would be a supporting character, aged up a little bit maybe. Uh, what would Nissa Vex, what would Leda Zod be up to at those times? Maybe we would see a young Zod a younger version of Colin Salmon playing the Zod we get to know from the future. Time travel's weird when you try to make sentences about it. But it's, it's fascinating to think what it could have been, what the show could have been. But I would like some sort of, you know, I, I, I say this about everything, but it would be cool to see a comic book continuation written by Cam Welsh and seeing where they can really explore what this show, what their, their full vision and story was for this show from the time it was initially conceived. All right, well, that is all about Krypton today. I, again, really like season two. Very bummed about the cancellation. Sliver of hope that, that maybe it continues on in some way. But last up, I will give a little bit of a recommendation. If you're looking for a quick comic to read, just something to lift your spirits for the day, check out Adventures of Superman number 28. This comes from the Digital First series. That issue came out in November 2013. It was a Digital verse series that came on during the New 52, where the stories were more about a classic Superman, a Superman with the red trunks on, you know, more quote unquote classic version of the character as opposed to the new version in the New 52. But this issue is a one off. It's called Dear Superman, and it's awesome. Uh, it's on DC Universe. I think digital copies are 99 cents. 
just read it. It's about a sick kid writing a letter to Superman. And while Superman battles Metallo, there is a narration box, caption box. Really cool, really emotional. I just recommend reading it. I won't spoil it for you. It's a quick read. Written by Josh Elder, art by Victor Banez, and edited by Alex Anton. There's a USA Today article, and it's, it's this comic is inspired by Elder's personal experience, both with his, when his mother was sick and when he personally was sick. So I recommend checking it out. It's clicked in Adventures of Superman Volume 2 if you want to get a trade paperback or a digital trade paperback of the comic. Really good, really uplifting, and an inspiring issue worth checking out. All right, that is all I have for today. I should be back next time talking about Superman movies and what the future of that should be.